Davis. Thank you for coming in once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, uh, our fourth annual horror exclusive award show the scaries we do them every year they're usually a halloween day release this year we're switching things up and giving it to you a couple days early i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike so we are excited about this one because we're trying something new in the middle of the show we're going to do a john carpenter appreciation section michael Mm -hmm. so that's a little different we've always done some sub genres of the horror you know overall genre there and we've always done the new movies of every year so this is our fourth annual scaries i believe I believe so yeah I yeah believe four in a row now we're, we're getting we're becoming veterans of the uh the podcast game here yeah we didn't do it our first year but uh, i think the second year we discovered it and we had a ball doing it and yeah i mean it's a way to commemorate the movies of the past year and by the way the rules of eligibility go from halloween night to halloween night and, mm-hmm. and, and they have nothing to do with when the movie was released or when the movie was produced. It has to do when I saw them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you see some wonky nominations here, that's because I saw them late. And uh, I don't really, I can't, I can't gauge it any other way. I'm not going to look shit up for this mm-hmm. no i'm mm-hmm. just gonna have fun with this well you we, do we you do. do i mean how these have gone is is you've curated a year after year all these categories specifically for the genres that you're you're choosing to include and you do i mean you do a fair bit of research or at least it seems that way uh <laughs> with all the categories you do come up with and you're the uh the creative genius behind this and i just kind of shoot from the hip and give nonsense answers no you you see a lot of these movies and you enjoy you've seen a lot of these movies throughout yes. your life so uh, in addition to the nonsense answers you also are a horror aficionado, I would say. And I'm catching up. So I, I actually had a joyous last few nights where I just did this irresponsible binge. Like literally three movies in a row up till 2, 3 in the morning. That's mm-hmm. probably why I'm getting a little sick. So if you hear my voice being a little <laughs> raspy, like I'm getting a cold because I'm not sleeping much. Because I'm watching cult movies <laughs> until 2 and 3 in the morning. And then I can't get to sleep because I'm all rattled. Yeah. Has the idea of joining a cult become more appealing? to you in the last a hundred and ten percent yes <laughs> and we will get there but first we do want to do our new horror movie section and this is a lot of fun because we got some good horror movies this year mike uh, yeah I totally agree and uh, i guess let's dive right into it like you said we'll uh we'll start with the new horror films we'll start with our first category which is the new horror movie character you'd least like to be quarantined with so Sarah Paulson, as the overbearing mother in Run, that's her character's name, is just Mother. Mm-hmm. We have Maud in St. Maud. Morphid Clark did a wonderful job portraying yes, this terrible character. <laughs> the teenager John from John in the Hole, because he'll just put you in a hole. <laughs> Yahya Abdul-Mateen II's Anthony McCoy in Candyman. He's probably, he's probably not fun to quarantine with because he's painting your walls. I guess at least you'd have a fun game of hide-and-seek, though, going on. <laughs> yeah, you would. You would. That, that's an added bonus. Uh, the three siblings from Rotten Tomatoes' best horror movie of the year, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. One of those three siblings is perhaps a vampire from the trailers, FYI. Okay. And we have Annabelle Wallace as Madison Mitchell in Malignant. Okay, so... I'm not spoiling anything here, but this is me being quarantined with one of these per- people, Correct. right? Not as one of these, because 
if it's me being quarantined as one of these people, the answer is Annabelle Wallace from Malignant, <laughs> without question. In a runaway, it's Annabelle Wallace. In a runaway, and that means right. that means a lot, yes. Right, okay. So it's me being quarantined with these people. I'll tell you this much. Mm-hmm. I'm not being put in a hole by John. And I'm not saying there aren't teens, both boy and girl teens out there who couldn't put me in a hole, but specifically John, mm-hmm. both the character in that movie and your brother, my former roommate, I'm not being put in a hole by John. It's just not happening. John is so, probably not putting you and I in a hole. I, I would agree. The children of the corn, on the other hand, maybe those teenagers, they throw us down in that hole. Right. Um, this may be the easiest answer for me because it's got to be Maud. <laughs> Because if you're in quarantine, not only do you have to deal with the religious zealotism, zealotism, zealotry, uh, yes. God forbid you want to like have sex or masturbate. (laughs) It's just not happening. (laughs) You you get, you know, it's uh, no, can't do those things. Yeah, yeah. So I almost gave away a spoiler there, but I'm gonna (laughs) save my spoilers for the next category. Uh, No, it's mod for me. It's probably mod. That's a great answer. Yeah, no, it's mod. It, and you're right about malignant. It's definitely yes, but definitely no if we change the uh, the rules of the question. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you. Maud is the correct answer here. Okay, new horror movie setting you'd least like to be quarantined inside of. You'd okay. least likely be quarantined inside of. The Island from Old. Mm-hmm. The Night House. Mm-hmm. The Himalayas with the Empty Man. Underrated horror movie. Shady Side in either 1984, 1978- or 19 or 1666 while wow, they really went back in mm-hmm. the Fear Street trilogy Michael we have the docks with the boat people in A Quiet Place Part 2 <laughs> we have the foundation cult in Wrong Turn an underrated that's not even a remake though it's like they mm. just took the title of the movie and just made a whole new wrong turn, which was the 2021 version on Showtime right now. I have so much respect for that movie. Mm. Uh, we have the cult at apartment complex, uh, wherever one BR, the room one BR is mm-hmm. involved. That I think that's the name of the apartment complex. One BR, or that's the name of the room. She's uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the, that's uh, the initiation the, yeah. room. My God, <laughs> get a better real estate agent. Wear gloves. Uh, yeah, finally at the laundromat for uh, for Cabrini Green, or what used to be Cabrini Green, uh, with Coleman Domingo's character. All right, let's peel back the curtain but behind uh, Mike, Mike, and Oscar for a minute, because I had a shtick written down as an answer, and you edited it, and uh, you are adamant that I spoiled too many of these movies. Potentially. No, 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 no. Don't you backtrack now. No, you did. You spoiled them. You did spoil them because you're a walking spoiler McSpoily Magoo. That's who you are. And I have to rein you in. It's my job. It's the only way. Everybody dies in all these movies. (laughs) I'm the asshole for it. Not true. Some of them do, but I won't say which. Um... My thinking, honestly, in answering this was that I don't think this is a spoiler. And if it is at this point, I don't care. If you're quarantined on the island and old, at least your quarantine will go by faster because you will die. Okay. You will age quickly and die. Correct. And I had that thinking for a couple other ones, but I won't get into them. Um, (laughs) I think old is where I'd most like to be quarantined. (laughs) Just get it over with. Right. Just be done with it. You'd be over an exponentially quicker. Mm -hmm. Uh in terms of where I'd least like to be quarantined, it's tough. It's tough, tough to answer here. Like the, I, I would probably go with the Foundation Cult and Wrong Turn. Although Shady Side sucks, by the way, but <laughs> the Night House also sucks. 
but I think like that's very specific. She's she's getting haunted in a very specific way. I the Himalayas, the Himal- I would yeah, not they- be. Curious. I think the Himalayas would be because, like, you're just cold <laughs> and miserable, and then all bad things happen. Mm-hmm. So I, that might be my answer. That, you don't, probably, yeah. you're not even having fun on the way out. Although I do agree, the the foundation, you know, you're dealing with, you got no amenities, <laughs> it's dirty. But would you be willing to give your life for, uh, just out of curiosity, like in the Empty Man or in the Quiet Place Part Two? Because I'm like so curious, like, oh, these are the boat people. It's Scoot so, McNary and the boat people. I want to know how they live, why they live. Right. Do they yeah. just hang out on the docks waiting for strangers to come in? Waiting for strangers <laughs> to silently walk in. And then, yeah, things happen. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd want to befriend those people. I don't want to be quarantined with them. I guess that's that's up there for my answer. I still think... Now, maybe I will pick the docks because it's just lose-lose. You either get the weird dock people or you get monsters. <laughs> You are going with the docs. I, I'm probably going with the foundation cult in the yeah. Appalachian Mountains because it sucks to get there, and then it sucks to be there, and then don't make them mad. <laughs> very persistent. They're very persistent. Coleman Domingo is probably not too bad because he'll just yap your ear off, and unless you're <laughs> unless you're like some really important person, he's not going to mess with you, I don't think. Yeah, if you're at the laundromat itself in Candyman, it's, you're basically just hanging out. Right. <laughs> So oh, you, that's not bad. you went with the docks. I went with the woods. I mm-hmm. guess that uh, tells a lot about the both of us. But okay. <laughs> so we've both been mostly homebodied for a while. Uh, let's just mm-hmm. say for the sake of argument, one year, five months, 14 days, 18 hours. <laughs> but who's counting? What new horror movie setting would you actually welcome as a getaway? Like, Mike, we got to get out of the house. Right. Okay. We have a little the fr- vacation. Yeah, we need it. <clears throat> the French firefighter training school in Tatan. Bring your dancing <laughs> shoes. Zombie Las Vegas from Army of the Dead, where they did have quite a lot of fun. That it's so fun. tempting. It's so tempting. <laughs> you, were, yeah. You, I mean, you you like yourself some Las Vegas. <laughs> the Farm and Lamb. Mm-hmm. The giant monster-filled landscapes, landscapes of love and monsters. Again, because he's having a lot of fun throughout the running from the monsters. And there's gorgeous scenery, but the, yeah. You get yeah, a meet. I you meet a best friend doggy. You meet mm-hmm. a best friend robot. But it sounds like you're. That's where you. That's what your pick is. You've I'm, already I'm, thought this out. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking okay. about it. Uh, look, if you're a thrill seeker, the next few, the Forever Purge, an Escape Room <laughs> Tournament of Champions, or a Tomorrow War. Finally, if uh, you like yourself a good Who Done It or a Who Done Werewolfed It mystery, Werewolves Within, Beaverfield, Beaverfield, a snowy mountain town. From Werewolves Within, Michael. I had to talk myself out of just picking Werewolves Within whenever you brought it up because <laughs> I enjoy that, both that movie and I like Josh Rubin and I like Melania Vantrup and Sam Richardson. And so I tried not to do all things I liked. I tried not I tried to approach these logically. Uh, here's my first question for approaching this question logically. Explain to me the difference in the settings between Lamb and Love and Monsters. <laughs> I mean, they're they're very they're Size. basically the same place, yeah. Yeah. including the types of beasts you will find walking around there. Uh, size, I would say. Yeah. You know, All the right. little lamb kid is not as formidable as giant frog beast. But yeah. <laughs> also, I didn't include this when we were talking about Tatan, but the the firefighter dance party is basically that scene from The Simpsons with the uh, the the gay steel mill. Where Homer's familiar. like, 
Homer's like worried that Bart is going to be like turn out gay because he's hanging out, I think, oh. like with with an older gay gentleman. And he takes him to the steel mill because it's supposed to be like this manly, manly place. But it turns out everybody who works there is a homosexual and like the whistle blows. And Homer's like, what's that? And a guy in the steel mill goes, we work hard. We play hard. And then everybody dance now. They starts just have playing. the best time. Everybody so that's rips be the off answer, their shirts then. and just starts dancing. Yeah, yeah, it's a highlight. It's it's probably where I'd go, except I hate all the firemen in Titan. They're, they're, they're ornery characters. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're right. I think that's the most fun answer. So welcome that as a getaway. <laughs> Uh, for the boat that would be the that would be the smart answer uh the farm and lamb they seem to have some fun in at the mm-hmm. you know around the bend from the fjord <laughs> around the bend from the fjord <laughs> it'd be tough for me to resist las vegas even during a zombie apocalypse that that's true you're uh yeah. you're known to uh go about those parts <laughs> have friends who have gambling problems yeah uh but okay so all right we both say to tan mm-hmm but you're probably going to just, uh, it's irresistible that you go to Vegas. I would take a fire truck and drive it to Vegas during the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Very good. All right. When the chips are down, you'd most entrust your life to this character. Mm-hmm. Vincent, Vincent Lindone from Tatan. Very helpful in a pinch. Millicent Simmons as Reagan Abbott in A Quiet Place Part 2. She's the lead of that movie. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Parker Kennedy as Kelly and C for me. I've, I've reviewed that. I've told you the premise. She's on the other line like a Zoom call. Very, very uh, uh, capable. You did preview. I thought it rang a bell when I was reading about it because this is not one I've seen. I was going to just lie about seeing it, but I, I it, <laughs> the premise rang a bell for me and I just wanted to, to read it out. When blind former skier Sophie... Cat sits in a secluded mansion. There's your first mistake. Can't trust cats. Three <laughs> thieves invade for the hidden safe. Sophie's only defense is army veteran Kelly. Kelly helps Sophie defend herself against the invaders and survive. I thought that sounded familiar. So you you did see that and you did review it on a show of ours. Yeah, at Tribeca. It was a, it was a hidden gem I found at Tribeca. It, had, it probably hasn't been released yet. I don't even know. So go seek it out, people. See yeah. for me. If it's out, see it. And if it's not, wait for it. It's it's a fun movie there. A very capable direction, by the way. I was, I was very impressed. It um, sounds like Hush. It sounds like a tag team edition of Hush. Yeah, kind of. Uh, very right. much so. Very much so. Uh, which Hush is a cool, well, that was a cool find on Netflix. Remember when everybody seemed to like discover Hush at the same yes. time on Netflix? Yes. That was a fun moment. <laughs> we all uh, came anyway, together as one. Matthias Schweighoffer as Dieter in Army of the Dead. Great okay. character. He's getting his whole spinoff movie and, uh, well, the next one, the prequel. Uh, Kiana Madeira as Dina in the Fear Street trilogy. Very loyal uh, mm. for three movies all throughout the timeline. Kiana Madeira. I feel like this is an easy one. Do you have an answer? Millicent Simmons, probably yeah, for that's, me. That's I feel like that's the most obvious answer. Yeah. I, I mean, she's just super capable. She knows what she's doing. She's a veteran of her own cinematic world. And she's, she's got the it. secret to murdering all these giant right. monsters that we know from the first movie. <laughs> highly intelligent, highly capable. I feel like that's that's easy. Yeah, yeah, I agree with I you. I would not trust my life with, to Vincent, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> His judgment cannot be trusted. It's questionable. Yeah. No, it, here's the thing about Vincent. He puts you at, he does not put you at ease. You, he, he makes you, he makes you uh, very uneasy, I would say. Right. All right. <laughs> Probably a fair assessment. 
least stylish piece of clothing in a new horror movie. Okay. We have the beige blouses of Neom Algar. The outfits she wears, so beige and censor. So beige. So very beige. So Way too beige. Like the one after another. Beige. Like, it's like Superman's closet. Like, <laughs> instead of blue spandex, it's just beige on beige. Yeah. It just, ugh. Anyway, uh, I'm turning it to Stefan for this whole segment, by the way. <laughs> Judy Greer's quis- Christmas sweater in Halloween Kills. Yeah. What is she doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything worn by Vera Farmiga's uh, Lorraine Warren. Just all of that mess. I take exception to that. I think she looks fine. <laughs> she looks fine if she's living in the, you know, 1840s. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's pretty bad. A lot of pantsuits. A lot of the, long dresses. The hair is the same as Polly Walnuts. <laughs> they have the same hairstyle. Matter of fact, switch Polly Walnuts with Vera Farmiga's character. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, fine. Oh, they just, you know, both kind of cross paths under the same moon in the Sopranos universe, <laughs> by the way. But anyway, Nicolas Cage's onesie in Prisoners of the Ghostland with bombs attached to each testicle. So least stylish piece of clothing in a new horror film, Michael. Is a high fashion statement there by Nick Cage. I need answers to Judy Greer's outfit. Yeah. I don't know if I have them other than she might have found them at Laurie's. Is that where, when did she start wearing that in the movies? Do you remember? Is it so just this I movie? I don't remember there being an excuse for it in 2018's Halloween. I I, I think she's wearing it. She I must be wearing it at Laurie's. Maybe it's, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just something she grabbed out of the closet on the way to, but they left the house in a rush because the house was on fire. I don't, I have no idea. I don't remember her wearing it in 2018. And yeah. if somebody if somebody does out there remember, I, please let me know. Fill me in because there's no explanation as to why she's wearing it there. There's no explanation as to why she changed would have changed into it on the way to the hospital on Halloween Kills. Why is she in that sweater? I don't get it. I don't get it either. If she wasn't wearing it at Laurie's, it wasn't a Halloween the, costume of hers. Yeah, during the end of the first movie, makes no sense. So, like, it did Laurie have that sweater as an? An ironic piece of clothing, or an un- was it just like Laurie's Christmas sweater from 1987? <laughs> like if Laurie's wearing that sweater the entire Halloween night, wouldn't that just put a whole sour taste in everyone's mouth about the franchise? Like it'd be so distracting. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. I don't know. They just they tried to slip it by us, but nothing <laughs> slips by you in, in, in the Halloween Haddonfield fan appreciation uh, universe here. That's my answer. Screw Judy Greer's sweater. It's pr- it's 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 very unstylish. I I still go with uh, uh, Polly Walnuts, Lorraine Warren. That's my answer. <laughs> we, neither one of us take beige, huh? We're okay with beige on beige. I'm okay with beige on beige. Plus, Neam Algar eventually changes from beige to more stylish outfits, and she's got a a great look in the finale of Censor, mm. by the way, which is on Hulu. But no, Lorraine Warren never changed. changed beige on beige <laughs> or dark. Just autumn colors in Connecticut. Wow, what a what a pioneer. What a fashion pioneer. We live in Connecticut, just folks. Openly talking shit about the Warren family. <laughs> All right. Most stylish piece of clothing in a new horror film. The flip okay. side of this. We have Oscar winner Jean Dujardin's frilly jacket and deerskin. <laughs> We have Alexa's 
printed bomber jacket from the beginning of Tatan. And mm. of course, we have Nicolas Cage's onesie and Prisoners of the Ghost Land <laughs> with bombs attached to each, each testicle. So I had to read on because I was going to make a joke about Nicolas Cage's uh, thing in the last category, but then mm-hmm. I saw you had this set up and this was your punchline for this category. So good job by you because my, my quote was going to be explosive testicles are always going to be in vogue. Like right. it's always going to be fashionable. So I'm happy to see you beat me to the punch there. And yes, of course, that's the answer. Nick Cage, Academy Award winner, brought the onesie back. Eunuch. <laughs> Eunuch. Here's your trophy. Uh, I probably got to go with uh, Alexa's printed bomber jacket as my realistic answer. It is there, badass. But, uh, that was badass in the beginning of that movie. It crushed, you know, floored me in the trailers, just walking her, watching right. her walk, you know, with that strut. Anyway. Scariest prop in a new horror movie. Speaking of Alexa, we have the sewing needle, needle or needle in Tatan. We I don't remember the sewing needle from her hair. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. scary. Okay, yeah, I got you. We have any empty bottle in the Empty Man. Mm-hmm. Also scary, but that statue in the Night House, Michael. If you came upon that statue in the Night House, that you're you're scared. Yeah, I feel like if you see the sewing needle, uh, you don't have time to be scared. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you interact with that sewing needle, you, you're not going to be in fear. Um, now you got me in my head because I'm trying not to spoil things, you jerk. Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the bottle is fine, but I hate how on the nose it is. Like, how cliche it's used. Mm-hmm. Especially in one scene involving a bridge. It's like, oh, it's just a mindless, perfectly shaped, not scratched up at all, empty bottle sitting here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little much for me. But yeah, I agree. I would say the uh, the statue from the Night House would be my answer. And if you see that in real life, whether it's like sitting on your shelf or like hidden away somewhere in your attic, you probably should realize you're in a horror movie. Yeah. You change your name. Yeah. You, you, you go to church. <laughs> like, all, you know, all of that. You know something's wrong and something's probably out to get you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That statue in the night house. All right, least scary prop in a new horror movie. This is a true or false question, Michael, and it's Tommy Doyle's old Huckleberry night night bat in Halloween's. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Halloween's Good job, Mike. That's the correct answer. That's on the nose, a hundred percent. Of course, it is Huckleberry. That's terrible. <laughs> I delivered that like uh, Tyler Perry as Medea. Halloween's. <laughs> for some reason but i appreciate the price is right theme uh let's not get sued but nobody knows anyway which monster i would love if drew carey listened to this uh, episode by the way it would be an honor to be sued by drew carey i agree all right which monster would kill you the fastest Mm -hmm. all right the creatures in a quiet place part two right michael myers in halloween kills okay the Flying Hydra Bat Dog Raptor Aliens from the Tomorrow War. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tommy Slater, Axe Murderer in Fear Street. He was fast. And efficient, yeah. The Shadow in the Cloud Gremlin. Very quick. <laughs> got some quicks. The Frog Bug or Crab Monsters from Lovin' Monsters. They got some moves. So, yeah, we're setting land speed records here for your death. Who is killing you the fastest? I want one of the oversized slugs just to be a pet of mine from Love and Monsters, just to have around the house, maybe ride on occasion. To be a house next to your house. <laughs> I that. Have it as a guest home. Um, Mike Myers. Mm-hmm. 
he tends to not kill his fans historically. Oh, the rationalization, like, the mental gymnastics right now. Well, wait, wait, there's the, the, the neighbor from Halloween 6 who owns the house that Tommy Doyle lives in, who used to babysit little Mikey Myers from down the road. The the mental patient who's obsessed with serial killers in Halloween Resurrection, I think it is, who, who Mike gives his knife to. Mm-hmm. And Rob Zombie, despite what Rob Zombie did to Michael Myers' franchise, he didn't kill. Uh, so I, I think I'd be okay with Mike, and I don't think speed is his forte. He's methodical, he's very artistic, which we've talked about. So I think I'd be alright, at least surviving. And if he did catch me, I'd like to think I've earned his trust, that I'd want to be on Team Mike. I love the deep pulls from three mm-hmm. movies out of the 12 and all the a history of just him just killing everybody who he meets. I'd be fine, but Octavia Spencer would be screwed. <laughs> I, uh, it, I mean, it's the quiet place monsters, right? Yeah. Cause you're loud. Like you'd right. just be like, I'd be dead immediately. You'd just be like, hey, Mike, is this a spoiler? And then, yeah. <laughs> Wake up in the morning. And be, oh, and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the same note, the flying Hydra bat dog raptor aliens from the Tomorrow War, you know, they're mm-hmm. perceptive and they would get on you. Right. I would say one, one of those two, like the, the, the monsters and love and monsters. You kind of got to go to them in a way. Mm-hmm. But OK, I agree with that. One of those two. All right. Uh, we have best production value. Getting a little serious and Oscary here for once in this mm-hmm. episode. We have the uh, VFX from Love and Monsters. Oscar-nominated VFX, yep. that is, from last year. We have the cinematography from Candyman. We loved the shots in Nia DaCosta's film there in Candyman. Film editing from The Empty Man. I thought it was magnificent. And I, I rewatched it, and it sucked me right back in this year. Uh, I, I love the editing in, in The Empty Man. You highlighted the sound, the sound design mm-hmm. in Titan. It really creeped you out, which is yeah. hard to do. You're, you're not very uh, creep-outable, I would it's say. True. Uh, and then finally, we both love the stunt work. And this needs to become an Oscar value, uh, production value, by the way. The stunt work in Malignant, Michael. Yeah, the visual effects and practical effects of Love and Monsters are really, really great. I, I mm. mean, I think they did kind of deserve Academy recognition there. I, like you said, love the cinematography in Canyon. I wish there was more of it. I mean, they, they start off with such cool shots. I, I wish they did more reliant on the like uniqueness of what they were doing with the camera in different ways there. Uh, I would say probably the cinematography in Candyman, if not for Malignant, just because any chance I get to pound the drum for stunts to be recognized by the Academy, even in an obscure and award show as the scaries are, I will take. So I'm going <laughs> to say the stunts in Malignant just because I want recognition for them. I appreciate that. Zoe Bell involved with yeah. that production as well from our Tarantino rewatch mm-hmm. there from uh, Death Proof. Uh, I appreciate your answer. I'm still going to, you know, film editing in The Empty Man. It's just something yeah. I rewatch. Re- I, I'm all over that. I, I, I don't think there's away. any wrong answer. Yeah. That. I think those are five really, really great aspects of, of horror movies and those movies in particular that could be held up to like some of the best of those years. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of strong nominations, we got a lot of great supporting performances by uh, by actors this year in horror movies. One me Musaku from his house. Again, this was probably should have been eligible last year, but I didn't get to it. She's eligible this year. She was BAFTA nominated last year for this performance. So good. Good on one me Musaku. We have Christopher Abbott in Possessor. I thought he did a nice job Mm. in Possessor there. I'm not a huge fan of that film, but he was good. Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 
Halloween Kills, Mentor Hero there. I think, uh, you know, maybe not Oscar nominatable this year, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emily Blunt is the supporting actress in A Quiet Place Part 2 by her own admission and by, you know, what we saw in the film. Mm -hmm. Millicent Simons should be the lead. Simmons, excuse me. Vincent Lindon in Tatan. Maybe he's some category fraud here. He's in a lot of that movie, but... uh, I'm hoping he gets a supporting actor nod when it comes to Oscar time. Tiona Paris, Candyman. She's got some of the biggest scenes in Candy pa- Candyman. She had some of the biggest scenes in the MCU this year, by the way, too. Um, Sabrina De La Hoz, Ya Yarona. She's the daughter character in that uh, Guatemalan film that uh, we both love that's on Shudder there. Yeah. And finally, Jennifer Ale of St. Maud. The mod is tending to her, and they get in some arguments, and she does just a wonderful... She's always good. She needs to get more credit for her career. So best supporting performance, Michael. What a great field. Like, oh. can we take horror movies more seriously? Please. We're past the point of... And I, I heard it again when I was doing research for this episode. Like, it's so unfair that anytime a horror movie is really, really good, it automatically transcends the genre, which yeah. is just to say that the genre shouldn't be taken seriously if you really, like, get into the weeds of what that that slogan or phrase means. So, I, I, I hate that. Uh, I didn't see all of his house. Um, Wumi Masaka... For what, what Mosaku, what I did see is incredible. Yeah, it'd probably be between her and Vincent Lindon for me. I'll I think say, the same thing. Wow, we're I, I don't cool. know if it's just hive mind right now or the two of us just th- seeing movies together too often or what it is. <laughs> but th- those are my final two as well. We like this restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> it'd probably be Vincent Lindon only because I've seen all of Tatan. But I, I, it's one of those two for me. If I'm honest, I'm probably giving him the edge as well, unfortunately. Well, there you I, go. I loved her in his house. And she's got some big scenes later in that movie as well. But he might be committing category fraud here uh, in yeah, a sense. possibly. Anyway. All right, let's go to best lead performance. Another stacked field, Mike. We have Neam Algar from Censor. Great actress. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, BAFTA nominated from last year. We have Rebecca Hall in The Night House. We have Yaya Abdul-Mateen uh, in Candyman. Morford sure. Clark. Mm-hmm. Morford Clark and St. Maud, Chope Derisu, the husband character from his house, Millicent Simmons from A Quiet Place Part Part 2, Jean Dujardin, who's a fun character in Deerskin, Agatha Roussel, fun character if you're sick, by the way, also a fun <laughs> character if you're sick in the head, is Agatha Roussel in Tatan, and then James Badge Dale, coming back, come back. If, he, if we have a comeback performance of the year, I would say James Badge Dale from I The like Empty Man. And then Numi Rapace from Lamb. Underrated Numi Rapace in that movie. Again, great field, great performances. I think a couple of them could be actually like contending for best of in, in the year as well. Uh, yeah. I I think the answer is Millicent Simmons, but mm. because I already picked her for one, I'm going to say Morford Clark because she's creeped the hell out of me from St. Maud. Yeah, she was really good in that, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, Darn she, it. I thought she was Again, excellent. You know, I think... Damn it! I just why are we picking the same answer? Anyway, you're out there. You want me listening. to say I'll, I'll say Rebecca Hall just to be different? I'll, I'll give it to her. <laughs> All right. Well, I would say Morford Clark. I guess uh, your first uh, instinct is is mine again for some reason. I'm, so, I'm so. sorry to let you down in that way. I'll try to be worse. Stop thinking. Get out of my head. Stop thinking what I'm thinking. All right. Uh, character you most wanted to die in their respective films. So you've been mm-hmm. wishing for death 
and openly admitting as much for some of these characters. <laughs> and True. I just made it a category in the scary. So let's have fun <laughs> with this. Andrea Reesboro in Possessor. Hate her character in that movie. Love her as an actress, but ugh. I'm 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 I'd like to investigate that a little. You really you didn't like her because did you not like her character the entire movie or just the entire the movie? movie? Just really? bored me, just okay. dishonest, disingenuous. I hated her character in Possessor. It kind of anyway. I just I'm rooting against her. Okay, Ru- Rufus Sewell. I mean, he's kind of the point. You're rooting against him in old. He is Doctor Charles. He is a contrarian, and then he's a jerk, and then he's more than that in old. <laughs> Noah Jupe as Marcus Abbott in A Quiet Place Part 2. What an idiot. Sorry I'm not sorry. I hated this kid. What a a fucking idiot that character is. Hated that character. Uh, Finally, Michael, Anthony Michael Hall in Halloween Kills. Judy Greer in Halloween Kills. Thomas Mann as a young Officer Hawkins in Halloween Kills. Hated them and... And maybe most of all, that guy from Wrong Turn. I'm not even looking him up. That guy, him, right? Mm. That guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> Turn. That guy. I think that's his official <laughs> character name on IMDb, too. He's he's supposed to be hateable, though. Right. So I think he's doing his job in the same way I think Andrea Riesborough is. You're supposed to have some feelings of de- detestation? Detest? Disdain? She's, Disdain. Dete- she's yeah. detestable. Detestable. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Noah Jupe's an idiot. He does the most <laughs> inexcusable action in his movie. Uh, Rufus Sewell may be the most disappointing in terms of what his profession is, what he could bring to the table versus what he actually brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong turn guy probably deserves it most, but there's, I I mean, Anthony Michael Hall, I after the first couple scenes with him, I was just hoping every scene would be the last. Yeah, And it has true, more to it? do with, yeah, I, I just did not like the character, the way it was written. I didn't like the execution. Some of the choices that Tommy Doyle was, was making wasn't wasn't crazy about him. So I'm only going to one-up you in this instance. Thomas Mann is a young Officer Hawkins. I thought I about hated it, him. Yeah. I, I hated him most. Of, you had yeah. a lot of detestation for him, too. <laughs> but then you realize he's a flashback character, and he obviously he can't. He, that iteration can't die. I mean, it's not a spoiler. It's just he can't die. Now who's spoiling movies? Yeah, I know, but I, mean, but I, can't. I can't. You can't. I mean, you know it in the first scene of the movie. Anyway. You don't know it. <laughs> you don't know it unless you've seen the movie. This actually happens a lot, by the way, uh, and I'm just going to admit it now. Where well, this is a therapy session, the spoilers, uh, this uh, on spoilers, a therapy session on spoilers in the scaries, if I can speak, because I get on you for spoiling shit, and you do it off, you know, off mic more often than <laughs> you know forever. My whole life, you've always done it, and um, then we get on air, and then me trying to rein your back, your non-spoiling. Or you're spoiling, I spoil. Who directs the director? <laughs> it's, it's it's all right because after this episode, I'm gonna go and post and just re-record some stuff and just enter in step by step spoilers of what happened in some of these movies, just, just out gonna, of pure spite. Just uh, like uh, what's in the box, right? Uh, cut-ins, and then this is what's in the box. Right, right. This has been another Mike, Mike, and Oscar interview. <laughs> Uh, What's in the box should be, we should make that of like a mini series of just like a, a TikTok series of me spoiling things in a minute. Here's what's in the box. But uh, and did you have to do it while singing? You have to make, come up with a song like the capitals in the United States for every state. Come up with a song for all spoilers. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Michael, the MMO Razzie. Bruce for Willis what- was dead. <laughs> 
Michael, the MMO Razzie for worst film poopy goes to The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Earth, Ben Wheatley of Free Fire, Kill List, Down Terrace, good movies, but Ben Wheatley's In the Earth is terrible. John in the Hole, Old, <laughs> Prisoners of the Ghostland, those are your nominees, worst film poopy. I think it's old, and I don't think it's particularly close. <laughs> I hate it in the earth. That was like Sundance. Like, give me the fucking case of Bud Light after that movie. I was, I was all into it because I like his movies. Even Rebecca, who which we didn't like, but we openly had fun with, right? Right, right. We enjoyed watching that for many reasons. And Ben Ben Wheatley let me down. And he Kill List. I rewatched Kill List for this particular show. Right? I watched Kill List. I'd never seen it before. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And it was despicable, but it was awesome. Wow. Was In the Earth one of your most disappointing watches of the year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hated it. It was a pandemic shot movie. He was experimenting. Some of the cinematography is cool, but I didn't know what was going on. I started to drink is what happened. <laughs> I hated that so In much. the Earth, you'll start to drink. Led me to drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. So three sets of best film nominations for these new horror movies. I'm doing something a little different this year. I want to expand the field. And I also want to tell the Oscars that they should do something like this. So this is like something the BAFTAs have been doing with shortlists, but I'm doing it with, uh, you know, something I'd like to see from the precursors become part of the Oscars. Okay. People's Choice Indie Spirit and Academy Award of the MMO Scaries. Let's start with the People's Choice. So we have... The People's Choice for MMO Favorite Horror Film nominees as Army of the Dead, mm-hmm. Candyman, Fear Street Part 1, 19, uh, 1994, I believe it was. Why did mm-hmm. I say 84 before? It's 94. I thought I caught it the, the first time, but I didn't catch it the first time. But it's 94, right? I believe it's 94. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was the best movie the first one, I thought, and even though I liked the other two. Halloween Kills, Love and Monsters, Malignant, A Quiet Place Part 2, and The Tomorrow War. This is people's choice. Take it as if you're a member of that academy. Take it as yourself. How, how are you going to choose here, Mike? All right. So I'm going to do this based on reception from film Twitter that stuck with me the most. <laughs> so not so much people's choices. Okay. My choice. No, it's no, my interpretation choice. of what I saw out there, okay. which means Candyman, The Tomorrow War, and Halloween Kills are probably out. Okay. Uh, those were received, you know, not 50-50, but there was some polarization. People were disappointed. Love and Monsters, I don't remember getting much of a reception on film Twitter. It kind of was a pandemic movie that gradually grew an audience. I would yeah, say, yeah, it definitely got more exposure and more people were talking about it more after the nominations came out, I feel. Army of the Dead and Fear Street were both received well, but they were also both pretty standard fare. You kind of get exactly what you think, so... Based on just process of elimination, I think the answer is malignant because it was received as a pleasant surprise Yeah, and people didn't see it coming and they were very happy about it, but their happiness irked and annoyed me (laughs) (laughs) because those are the types of movie I want people to dislike so I could talk about how great they are. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I'm going to veto that win. Oh, no. And I'm just going to go back to saying Army of the Dead or Fear Street, and I'll say Army of the Dead because I have a gambling problem. Okay. Army of the Dead. So it should be Malignant, but I I disqualified Malignant. All right. It should be Malignant. And you, listener, are the reason why. You're pushing me towards... (laughs) I have Because it comes down to two for me. It comes down to Malignant or The Tomorrow War. And I like these other movies. That's why we nominated them. But... I think those are the two. And I was going to pick the Tomorrow War, 
But maybe this happens at the academy level or the people's choice level for that matter. I want Malignant to survive for our <laughs> podcast. So I am going to pick Malignant. And you picked what again? You picked Army of the Dead. All right. Yeah, I'm surprised you you were that you were thinking about doing the Tomorrow War though. I don't remember you being very high on that movie. Loved the Tomorrow War. Shockingly oh, okay. loved it. I didn't love the idea of having to watch the Tomorrow War, which is probably what you got from me for like three months yeah. before I actually watched the Tomorrow War on a Saturday, and I tweeted out that I loved it and me and Colby high-fived over the internet for like <laughs> 10 hours. Okay, good. Anyway, we, we both loved the Tomorrow War. I thought it was a rad movie. It was a lot of fun. Great action in that, I would say. But uh, okay, so Malignant <laughs> survives as well as Army of the Dead. Okay, next category, we have the Indie Spirits. The Indie Spirits for Best Horror Movie Scary here, Michael. We have one BR which if I have not recommended this enough, go check out 1BR, people. It's just a cult Junior, movie. Yeah. It's a new movie, or at least it was, again, I watched it this year. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. Very unique. It's got an interesting story and interesting execution. I agree. My heart won't beat unless you tell it to. This, again, three siblings. One is a vampire. That's the premise of the trailer. We have See For Me, badass movie. I saw Trebekah. Again, this is very subjective nomination process <laughs> shadow in the cloud chloe grace moretz fighting a gremlin on a world war ii fighter plane i believe mm-hmm. it's on hulu right now werewolves within vod a whodunit video game ad- adaptation from our favorite comedians mm-hmm. josh rubin included and wrong turn which uh, we both watched for this particular episode it's on showtime right now another hidden gem about cults made on a shoestring budget I think we got a ton of respect for all those movies. Mike. Yeah, for sure. Uh, wrong turn. I was very, very impressed by. I, I'm going to pick Werewolves Within just because it fits so much. I mean, I am biased towards it. I, whodunit's one of my favorite genres of film anyway. When you have a whodunit horror, it's executed very well. It's funny. It, it's a great watch. I, I really liked it. <laughs> I enjoyed it as well. I like a horror comedy when they, they execute it. Uh, I, I'm not going to pick it here be, just because I thought 1BR was pretty cool. So it I'm is. Gonna go, Absolutely. I'm going to go with 1BR. That one floored me. I did not expect that movie when I got into it. I'm surprised it, so. you, you're going 1BR over um, over Wrong Turn. It's a tough call. It is a tough call. Those were the, the big two for me here. But 1BR just had the first act. It was so good. And the first 40 minutes of Wrong Turn are so bad and obnoxious. <laughs> and, the, and the last hour of Wrong Turn is re- really good, I thought. Not wrong, and I also, if you need, like, a horror movie to watch on Halloween or in the next few days here to get into the spirit, you can't go wrong with Wrong Turn. But I'm bump, but seriously, you know, no pun intended. Cool, and uh, thank you for the sound effects, which I promised in the previous episode. So I can go back to the Price is Right theme if you want. All right, so Malignant, (laughs) Army of the Dead, 1BR, and Werewolves Within have advanced. Now, to our MMO Academy Award for Best Achievement in Scary. Okay. Okay. So we have eight additional noms to those, you know, two apiece for you and I. Mm-hmm. We have The Empty Man uh, as, a, as a nom in this category. His House, La Yayarona, or my white person pronunciation, <laughs> La Llorona. We have Lamb. We have The Night House. We have Possessor, St. Maud, and Titan. We have an international contingent at our own academy. They are not afraid to nominate some indie movies as long as, Michael, they have a big studio behind them, which mm. 
right? So very academy of it. So I, I took the shoestring budgets and I put them in the last category. And now I have the low budget films and I put them in this category. But they come from like Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Best achievement in scary. What's the trophy for this look like? Uh, probably should just be you dressed up as Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween <laughs> yelling to the sky. Okay, good. I agree. I'm in. <laughs> yelling to the sky. Yeah. Ah! Doing the Jennifer Love Hewitt and I know what you did last summer. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting? Exactly. Just mixing metaphors and genres and films and franchises. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to pick for this. What are you picking? Oh, it's very hard. It's yeah. very hard. Titan is a movie that is scary. Probably one of the most scary. Saint Maud rocked me pretty hard. I love The Empty Man, but I'm tempted to go with something like Malignant just because of its. Yeah. <laughs> now you want to pick Malignant for this one, even though it's ineligible for you. Right. I. I, I mean, it's probably the right answer, but I, I don't want to pick it just out of protest. I mean, the Nighthouse. I. I like any horror movie with balls, with audacity. Yeah. Possessor, I think, has that. The Nighthouse has that. Malignant has that a lot. Not that any of these don't, but like those are the ones that kind of stick out to me that I want to just recognize. I, I his, house, really... his house might be the best movie of the bunch, though. Yeah, like, I, again, I don't, you know, I don't disagree with that. If you're picking best achievement in scary, it might just be a film that's just well composed like, like his house. Like We can nitpick The Nighthouse. We can nitpick you know, to 10, like I would say St. Maud and his house effed up, but well composed. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree mm. with that. It says, I, I think the only thing I'm sure of is that it's not going to be lamb for me because it's, it's any movie, any movie who's, you know, big act three makes me laugh out loud in the theater. When yeah, it's not but supposed it was to. so much fun. We, I can't wait to review that. We're going to review it. We're keeping it for a horror movie, double feature folks. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say possessor. I'm going to wow. say Possessor. I really, I, it's just high concept. I, it falls short in some ways. I agree. But again, it's just the audacity of it. And it's very high concept. I like the performances. I kind of like what was tried there. I'll give you points for ambition on Possessor. I'm looking at I know- the Nighthouse, too. Nighthouse is probably my number two, but I'm going to say Possessor. <sighs> that's 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 a rough pick for me because I, know, I begrudgingly I like put it. it in this category, but I know people love it and I could, I could respect it. I could respect that pick son of Cronenberg. I went with green book a couple of years ago in the, the best picture. Okay. That's what I just did. The Academy of Mike one <laughs> in this instance. Yeah. You kind of yeah. did that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go malignant just because it made me so happy and I'm going to take it from it's, the, it's the right I, answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take it from the other category. I had to push it in. I had to, I had to get it in here. Uh, it's underappreciated, which I always, you know, warms my heart. It's batshit crazy. Go watch it on a. Well, I think it's on VOD now. It's left HBO Max. But yeah, make that one popular. Malignant is my horror movie of the year. I think that's the right answer. All right, we'll transition out of uh, the new horror movie, uh, quote unquote, new horror movie section. We'll go to <laughs> something new here on the Scaries. We're going to do a segment where we focus on the works of a horror master. And I mean, if we're going to do that, we can only really start in one place. And that's with a guy whose Twitter handle is literally the horror master. We'll have a John Carpenter appreciation section for this portion of the podcast, Michael. Yeah, let's dive right in here. I started with this category. So you got to answer them one by one. It's really just like a, a like or don't like, a thumbs up or thumbs down section for you here, Michael. Okay. 
pure evil is the color green in the Prince of Darkness and the Fog. Do you like or do you not like the color green being pure evil? Do you think he borrowed that from Wall Street, even though the fog was made before Wall Street and the, the you know, money corrupts? Green is, is good. Yeah, I don't mind it. That's fine. It's an offbeat type of thing. I, I, I kind of I dig that. I dig anything, you know, audacious and new. Yeah, it might be another movie, too, where something's green. And we got to notice the green in the John Carpenter filmography. But OK, this line. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. That's from They Live. I have come here to chew bubblegum. It's by Roddy Roddy Piper, too. Of course. I mean, come on. How dare you ask me that? All right. I, just, I wanted to quote the line, so I put it in the category. All right. How about when Kurt Russell cannot rein in his John Wayne impersonation? It happens a lot for Kurt Russell, but it especially happens a lot in Big Trouble in Little China. So Big Trouble in Little China and The Escapes, I have not yet seen. Well, he does a John Wayne impersonation. Yeah. How annoying would that be for you? I'm going to assume, based on your the way you worded this, you are not a fan of this impersonation. Not a fan. <laughs> so I'll go with you and say thumbs down. Thank you. That's the correct answer. There you go. Uh, when Carpenter plays you know, his film in reverse time. So this is a very cool in-camera trick. He does it in Prince of Dark Darkness. Not only does he play it in reverse time, but he flips the screen and he has green water falling into a green pool on this pure evil ceiling. And then he does, Christine, he has a demolished car fixing itself, which again, he's just playing it reverse time for the audience after he bashes the car in. The car fixes itself with the camera editing trick. Do you like or not like this? For the time it was, I mean, I don't know that necessarily holds up all that well, but I like it was again innovative, especially for like the early '80s, mid '80s stuff, and it looked cool. It's a cool visual, so yeah, I'm in on that. All right, so are you not a fan? Well, I think it's really clever and Christine. I would say in Prince of Darkness, I was kind of laughing at it a little bit. So yeah, maybe it's a. Because they do it a couple different times, which is funny. They might, I just picture like a person with you know who needs to go to a dermatologist attached to a ceiling, <laughs> <laughs> like taped to a ceiling, and then just green water just spilling onto a floor. A person who needs to go to a dermatologist taped to a ceiling. <laughs> yeah, John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, speaking of uh, awesome John Carpenter characters, or not, Alice Cooper in Prince of Darkness. I'm so happy you saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly, by the way. I really did. Of course it is you bad. Did. How could you it not? is good. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I love Alice Cooper in Prince of Darkness. <laughs> Maybe the most useless character in cinema history. <laughs> the He's most, just... <laughs> the, the worst cameo by an actual famous yeah. person ever. <laughs> He's just there to snarl, and you basically, you come away with, all right, John Cooper, he really likes Alice Cooper music. <laughs> basically. And he started, that was, like, the mid-80s is when Carpenter started going from, like, piano-based and classical-based music to having more, like, electric guitar-based soundtracks and stuff that he did for his own movies there in the go. score. So I, I can totally see that appreciation coming through. Alice Cooper. Big thumbs up from the mics of Oscar. Okay. Yes. Humans controlled by higher powers in a John Carpenter film. Who would win in a battle royale fight? We okay. have the Thing people from The Thing. Mm-hmm. We have the They people from They Live. <laughs> we have the kids from Village of the Damned. Mind the Fog powers. people from The Fog didn't make this list? All right. Uh, you know what? Throw them in here. Throw them in <laughs> okay. here, the Fog people from The Fog. Okay. 
I mean, I would say the boat people, for, but that's not John Cop- Carpenter. That's a different uh, movie, by the way. We were talking about boat people earlier, but mm-hmm. there's boat people in the fog, too. Oh, yeah. Right? Is oh, that yeah. a boat town? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, one might say a pirate town. It could be considered a pirate town. Yeah. All right. We have the mob of Alice Cooper hobos from Prince of Darkness. <laughs> And then we have the asshole teenagers infected with Stephen King dialogue and Christine. <laughs> Battle Royale, who wins? Shots. You take a shot at Stephen King. I take an unwarranted shot at Rob Zombie. We're having mm-hmm. fun here. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure of fewer things in this life than I am that the Alice Cooper-led vagabonds would be out of sync and completely ineffective in any form of combat. They're slow, meandering disintegrating right. <laughs> nothing about their makeup suggests they're battle ready in any context not at all and i would also argue on the opposite end of that spectrum is the fact that it took about 25 years for the public to collectively decide to agree that the final scene from the thing actually has information in it pertaining to whether or not the thing from the thing is still living or not that's a good point so that's probably a pretty good indicator of its ability to survive and outlast in a fight i would think Wow. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I'm I'm between the thing and uh the village of the damned. Yeah, kids. you gotta give an honorable mention to creepy children everywhere, whether they're of corn or damned. Right. If they're damned, they have telepathic powers. Mm-hmm. And that might be able to beat, you know, the thing. I don't know. Could be. It'd be an interesting battle. I all I know is in the way that Nintendo made a Super Smash Brothers video game where they took all the characters from their most famous IPs and like had them in a fighting game against each other, the Mortal Kombat kind of did the same with some horror people. I would love to see a John Carpenter <laughs> cinematic universe video game of fighting. I would love to see the thing fight children. Well, do do the children who are going to fight these monsters, do they know who the monsters are? That's half the advantage. That's true. That's a good point. Lines. That's yeah. a good point. Maybe they make that's maybe they, they have the drop on them. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the village of the damned okay. uh, over the thing, unfortunately, but underrated okay. too in the carpenter catalog. You think so? I don't remember it that well. I seen it like 15 years ago and I didn't rewatch it. So I gave it a very conservative re-rank. I would take. I know a lot of people love In the Mouth of Madness, but I would take Village of the Damned over In the Mouth of Madness. All right, that's good to know. That's good to know because I wanted to rewatch that. I just didn't have the time. I mean, anytime you get a Kirstie Alley (laughs) (laughs) uh, character in a John Carpenter film, a Kirstie Alley helmed vehicle, yeah, (laughs) you got to go for it. All right, best character name from a John Carpenter movie, and we have some names, Michael. Yeah. We have Snake Plissken. I don't Kirk. mean to cut you off, but that's got to be the winner in cinematic history. <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. But <laughs> There I, are some know, good ones here, though. It came to my head first. I put it down first. Kurt Russell in the Escape Films is named Snake Plissken, by the way. All right. Desolation Williams. It's a good name. Ice Cube and Ghosts of Mars. It's a good name and a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> we have Nada. N-A-D-A. Roddy Piper's character in They Live is called Nada. I didn't. I don't even think I knew that. Nobody knew that. <laughs> we, we looked it up for this one. Uh, we have Starman. Jeff Bridges' character's name is Starman on the acting call sheet there. How much cocaine do you think Carpenter did when he came up with Starman? Uh, it's the 19, late 80s? No, yeah. Starman. Starman was the uh, mid-80s? Was late 70s, no? Early 80s? 
Hang on. I bet you it's mid eighties. We got to look that up. But you're probably right. All right, I'll keep talking. Yeah, eighty four. All right, there it is. Lots of then. Lots of cocaine. (laughs) Then that's the answer we were looking for. (laughs) How about the shape? In 1978, they called the the evil character the shape, and Mm -hmm. he was played by Nick Castle, uh, just like a one of the crewmen. By mm-hmm. the way, folks. So Nick Castle, whole new life after that moment there. And how about the homage to Nick Castle when they name Tom Atkins's character in The Fog Nick Castle? <laughs> um, so look, the problem with these names is that they're all just too unrealistic. You know, <laughs> like where's my post-apocalyptic intergalactic Jesus character named with that great, you know, just powerful awesome all-encompassing leader name of apostolic you might say mm, paul <laughs> or his friend boise idaho or what Duncan. dune dune sucked is my point <laughs> no nobody nobody thinks that but us it's just this is where we're at in our in our fandom i've seen so many people talk about that thing winning best picture or wanting it to win best picture it's not just them it's our families it's our friends like we are the only two people that didn't like dune i am feeling like you must have felt during the parasite thing yeah it is it's very similar i mean there i know there's people out there who are contrarians for contrarian's sake yeah and i I, that's really not what we do We just try to be honest. It just so happens that a lot of times we just don't see it the way everyone else does. And I don't know if it's a pundit parade issue like we've alluded to a lot right. or what it is. But yeah, it's uh, it's not helping us. It's not yeah. helping us. No, we certainly probably, not. We, I agree. Probably, we would be doing much better, I would say, <laughs> if we like dude like everybody else. And we just did that, you know, collective high-fiving. Yeah, I agree. Um, anyway, yeah, but that's my answer. Like we see him. My answer to this category is Dune sucks. Snake Plissken uh, is probably what we should have just went with on a true or false. Went with that and moved on. Better use of Carpenter music, a.k.a. second best Carpenter score. Because I think, Michael, Halloween is the answer. Let's take that out. Uh, So we have a strong battle for second place for the silver medal here. The Thing, Mm -hmm. great music. Prince of Darkness. I could listen to that theme. I mean, that just made the whole first 20 minutes so much better. They're just walking around a college campus. Who gives a shit but that music? And finally, I don't know if you clicked the link on the Escape from New York song, but that's an awesome score. For, so from this is what I was going to, I was just going to turn the table because I have not, I, I haven't watched the thing in a few years. I watched the Prince of Darkness on Halloween every year. So I have not watched it yet as of this recording for this year. Uh, I've not seen either of the escape movies. Like I said, I didn't click the link. So I was going to turn it. You've probably seen these more recently than I have. So what would, where do you lean? It's tough. Recency bias. I would pick Prince of Darkness, but I remember just being a college student watching the thing for the first time. Took me way too long to get to that movie, but loving the score so much, loving its simplicity so much. It's just like bong. <laughs> it's like Peter Segal in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, <laughs> a dark, ominous tones, but it works. Uh, Escape from New York might be the best one to just listen to on YouTube and in, in your in your headphones, though. So I, I guess I'll categorize it that way. It's probably the thing. But I will have to say Escape from New York if you just want to click on a Carpenter theme to listen to on Spotify. I have to. I own both Escape movies on Blu-ray, too, and I just have not watched them. I'm My heart is so full that you 
watched and enjoyed Prince of Darkness this month. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I was going to text you during it, but I was like, yeah, he's just going to keep texting me back. I, you know, that's, that's where we're at. I don't at. want him to respond. I, I'll do this on the podcast. I'm going to talk to this you know, guy anyway. He takes this, up enough of my time. This jabroni and I are going to do this. It's just going to be Wednesday instead of Sunday. All Understood. Right. All right, so you have an interesting answer here because you don't want to answer this or you don't think you need to answer this, which tells me a lot about you. Mm-hmm. Scariest Carpenter film. Halloween, The Thing, in The Fog, but you say you're not scared by Carpenter films. I don't think I've ever actually been, like, scared or creeped out by a Carpenter film. I really don't. Like, Unbelievable. Me, well, they've all been kind of dissections and, like, interpretations of the collective fear all of us have about, like, the most basic concepts of what fear is, like the boogeyman, which is Halloween the fog or what happens at night or when you can't see and obviously the fog and like, you know, trusting a human being in a sense as what the thing does. I don't, I I had never really, I've never really been, I've been creeped out, but I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever classified myself as like being scared or terrified of a Carpenter movie. If I had to pick one, I mean, I want to say Halloween, but I think the thing as an idea of like, you know, you can't really ever put your fully trust in someone. And especially in 2021, <laughs> we learned that to be true. Uh, that might be my answer. The thing scared the ever living crap out of me as a college kid. The really? fog, the fog and Halloween scared me as a high school kid for, for the jump scares. Like the first 45 minutes of the fog jump scare spectacular, I thought. And they're innovative. Like he gets you when you least expect it. I almost think that he, like, John Carpenter's like, all right, I jump scared the shit out of everybody with the fog. I don't need to jump scare anymore (laughs) after the fog and Halloween with Jamie Lee Curtis there. Because he's just like, yeah, I mastered that horrifically. (laughs) Moving on. I'm I'm the master. I'm the whiz. (laughs) But people should study. Like, if you're a jump scare artist in new school horror, study the jump scares from the fog. Because you think it's happening over there, but it happens over here. Really well done. Scared the crap out of me. You know, the thing probably sits with you the most, I would say, in in thinking back to it. And I I just remember white-knuckling it to every scene where he's got the flamethrower and there's the alien. Oh, my God. And they're doing the test. Mm. Wow. I mean, there is definitely high tension and high suspense in that movie in particular, yeah. All right, so we both in in various ways said the thing then. Scariest Carpenter movie. All right. Worst John Carpenter movie Oscar snub. Mm. This is something we don't do often enough on the scariest, but I got, I certainly got three here. Halloween's original score at the 51st Oscars could have been, should have been, Michael. Instead, Midnight Express won. The Boys from Brazil, Days of Heaven, Heaven Can Wait, and Superman. Superman probably should have won if it wasn't one of those, but Halloween wasn't even nominated. I defy anyone to tell me what the Boys from Brazil's original score sounded like right now off the top of their head. Jerry Goldsmith's a a legend. He's, He's been around a long time, but yeah, I mean, come on. In terms of longevity and things that have lasted over the years. Yeah. This was just snobbishness at yes. its worst and finest. Uh, Superman should have won. Everybody's been humming that for f- 60 years. Agree. <laughs> All right, but about well, 41 years, I guess you should say. But Halloween, <laughs> we should know that because Halloween just had the 40-year anniversary. All right. <laughs> Halloween's original score from the, from the 51st Oscars, The Thing. Now, they didn't have best VFX in 1983, so I'm going to say best sound effects, which mm. they did have at the 56th Oscars, where which only had two nominees. What, what is wrong with them? 
the hmm. right stuff, the right stuff won over Return of the Jedi. But really? the thing, the thing had awesome character sound effects. Yeah, and Return of the Jedi didn't win anyway. <laughs> the right stuff, huh? The right stuff won for best sound. I would and, think I would think the yeah. thing absolutely belongs in that category. I mean, I don't know that I would necessarily pick it over a Star Wars movie, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It sounded fantastic, especially for its time. The right mm. stuff, huh? The right stuff, better All than right. the thing sound. Anyway, the Prince of Dark or Prince of Darkness. Best makeup. That was yucky makeup, Michael. Yucky. <laughs> Just at the 60th Oscars, they should have appreciated the yucky makeup of Prince of Darkness. Instead, Harry and the Hendersons, my childhood favorite movie, but fine. All right, Rich, Rich Baker there. Happy New Year. I could, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you a, a single actor from Happy New Year, Bob Layden, but I guess they did have some good makeup there. Again, only two nominations. Happy New Year. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer Lopez with Kate Beckinsale. No. Happy New Year. Jennifer Aniston. Wasn't that one of those, uh, like, Valentine's Day, Happy New Year remakes? New Year's Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Eve. Oh, it's Peter Falk in older man makeup. I mean, that's, come on. Eh. No, 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 no. It should have been the Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness rightfully should just be an Oscar winner regardless in any that, any category. That character should have presented the award to herself <laughs> and everybody should have ran out of the theater. <laughs> Agree. All right, finally, Roddy, Roddy Piper as lead actor in They Live, the 61st Academy Awards. Of course, he should have beat out Dustin Hoffman from Rain Man. Of course, he should have been nominated over Gene Hackman, Tom Hanks, Edward James Olmos, and Max von Sydow. <laughs> Rowdy I, Roddy Piper. I defy anyone to tell me what, what movie Max von Sydow is here for. at the 61st Oscars. But finally, Michael, as a fourth answer here, where is John Carpenter's honorary Oscar? What's taking so long? No, that's a great point. I mean, the guy's been a box office stalwart for, what, three or four decades now. He's still involved. He's still involved in production. He's still involved in music making. He's still attached to some of the most legendary horror properties that have stood the test of time, that are rewatched, that are beloved, that are both cult and mainstream classics. You're absolutely right. I mean... You maybe you don't need to look any further as to how disrespected the horror genre has been by the Academy than the fact that we can't even give this guy an honorary Oscar yet. That needs to happen. I so, agree I with mean, you. Good call. I'll, I'll look forward to the future when John Carpenter is on that Oscar stage. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Good call by you, Mike. I agree. Let's make that happen. All right. Finally, let's uh, just let's re- let's do some best film segments for John Carpenter's appreciation segment here. What's Carpenter's best set of films by movie star? Mm. For Kurt Russell, we have The Thing, The Two Escape Films of Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. Donald Pleasance was in Halloween, Prince of Darkness, and Escape from New York. He's the president. (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis was in Halloween and The Fog, two heavy hitters there. Mm -hmm. Sam Neill, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which I watched last night and was fun. It was stupid. But it was fun. Such a male fantasy. Freaking Daryl Hannah in the movie. Chevy Chase. Not his funniest role, but there you go. Uh, Sam Neill's also in In the Mouth of Madness, which I have not seen you have. Mm-hmm. Stephen King. Or it's Stephen King's wife producing it. And it's about H.P. Lovecraft. Can you give us anything about In the Mouth of Madness here? It's a meta movie about a guy 
uh, researching a horror fiction writer, except that he's actually writing reality. Wow. Yeah. Innovative. Mm. It's, it's, it's high concept, for sure. Anyway, as a fifth submission here, I have Keith David. He may not be a movie star, but he's a great character act- actor, and he is Childs from The Thing. Him and McGreedy mm-hmm. have a sure. rapport there. And he is Frank from They Live, so... The Thing and They Live, that's a hard twosome to beat. Who, who do you have here? There's a lot of uh, CVs here that are quite impressive. I, I it's, I want to say Keith David, but look, John Carpenter kind of made Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis, right? I mean, not to say that she didn't as well, but the Halloween and the Fog back-to-back to start her career like that, and she was off and running, and she was a, a mainstream, big-name A-lister basically her entire career because of those two and, and from that point on. Uh, I think I love the fact that she's like, all right, I am the Scream Queen. I am the daughter yeah. of the Scream Queen. I am going to uh, embrace this for six years. I am the Scream Queen. Halloween, The Fog, Prom Night, Bing Bang Boom. Yeah. And love she keeps it. coming back to it. And she's she's never, she no, respects the fact that she's got those fans to thank. Her yeah. fans now. And, and like they gave her that chance and they, they appreciated her work. And she keeps coming back to that. I think that's really, really cool. It is really, really cool. I would say I'm tempted to go with maybe a Kurt Russell, but Big Trouble in Little China doesn't exactly hold up, unfortunately. I I watched that for the first time. Now, what is that? I have not seen that. What is that about? So there's basically, there's a underground thing where this uh, organization has wizards behind it, and there's a lot of green evil things. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, you know, we have Kurt Russell doing a John Wayne impersonation, and these women <laughs> get kidnapped, and he's got to save his girl that he just met. Seems Part- to be one of the big takeaways is that John Wayne impersonation. I didn't like it. I wasn't okay. really paying attention after a while. It was dumb. <laughs> gotcha. uh, maybe people love it. Maybe I just didn't give it its, 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 the attention it was due, but I watched it like back-to-back with Christine one of these mm. nights. Okay, Not a great double feature there. <laughs> I had to I had to cure it and watch like one more cool movie at right. the end of the night somehow. But that was rough. Anyway, um you're going with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I'll probably go with Jamie Lee Curtis at the end of the day too, if I'm honest. All right. What's Carpenter's best one off with another set of movie stars? He did Village of the Damned with Christopher Reeves and Kirstie Alley. Of course. He did Ghost of Mars with Ice Cube and Natasha Henstridge. Did you watch that? I, not for 20 years. No, I watched no, it 20 right. years ago. Yeah, that's a movie. Speaking of another movie I yeah, watched 20 years yeah. ago, and it sucked then, and it sucks now, Vampires with James Wood and Daniel Baldwin. Pun intended there? Sucks? No? Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, Starman with Karen Allen, who I love from Indiana Jones, etc. cetera, mm-hmm. and Jeff Bridges. Not bad. Yeah. Not, not bad, I would say. Uh, the Ward might be underrated from Amber Heard. Danielle Panabaker, I'll choose her for this twosome. And then we have They Live, which, of course, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, and Keith David. Dude, he, Rowdy, Roddy Piper was like a legitimate movie star because of that movie. Like, I know I'm biased towards pro wrestling. My answer would probably be Village of the Damned, but Rowdy, Roddy Piper did, like, actual work because of They Live and because of Carpenter. Yeah. I, I'm choosing between Starman and They Live here. I remember They Live more, so I'm going to go with They Live. There you go. So we agree again. I remember liking Starman, 
but I, I remember like moments from They Live to the point where I'm looking up the quotes and I'm putting them in this episode because they're funny. <laughs> All right, let's rank the Carpenter films. I don't know how how deep you want to get here, but go ahead. What's your power rankings for the Carpenter films, Michael? I think there's a, a there's a big two to me, mm-hmm. yeah. and then on the next level, there's another two, and then you can kind of intermittently change whatever. I have Halloween and the Thing. I think those can be re ranked in any order, one or two. Then I think after that, you have The Fog and Prince of Darkness. At least to me, I mean, I could I, if you want to argue Prince of Darkness isn't up there, I would understand it. But uh, I have three, four of The Fog, Prince of Darkness, and then They Live. I like The Ward still. I'm high on that. Uh, yeah. I think it's underrated. Village of the Damned is my seven. In the Mouth of Madness, my eight. Nine and ten are Vampires and Ghosts of Mars. I've, again, not seen uh, the Kurt Russell ones. I've not seen Starman or Assault on Precinct 13. And I don't remember Christine. I've seen it a bunch, but I just don't remember it. It's very unmemorable. <laughs> I, just, I, hate it. I hated that one the most, I'm not going to lie. It's just easily my last ranked Carpenter movie if he had 50 films. <laughs> just, I Some people might like it. I don't know. It's It's like rare Stephen King levels of just nastiness from these characters that just turns me off. Like if every character assassinates themselves, who do you root for? I need an invested. I need to be invested in a character. I just, are you more high on that Christine or the Rebecca Hall, Christine? I still have not seen that because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of watching that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I I would agree with you. The big two, the thing in Halloween. Mm -hmm. I actually love the thing even more than I love Halloween. I do love Halloween. It's understandable. I've come to love Halloween even more, but that was like a big experience for me. The thing that's like a top 20 movie of all time for me. I love it. The Fog, again, just very impressionable on a young also Mike. The yeah. Fog. Great yeah. jump scares. Filmmaking, uh, you know, wannabe filmmaker. That that meant a lot to me, The Fog. Assault on Precinct 13 is underrated. Wow. And they just showed it, re-showed it at the New York Film Festival. I'm a big fan of Assault on Precinct 13. I rewatched I have to watch it. that. Yeah. Yeah, I rewatched that last year or 2 years ago, 2 years ago. I rewatched that. Still very good. Prince of Darkness jumps into my top 5. Yeah. I just had a ball with it. I really enjoyed myself. Prince of Darkness. They Live has got to be my 6th. Awesomely yeah. bad, but still awesome. Escape from New York is not like the all-time banger that you you would think it is, but it's still very good. It's just a unique concept. Better than Thanks LA. For ambition. Better than L.A., in my opinion. Okay. Uh, Starman, Escape from L.A. are my next two. The Ward hit us at a, a formidable age, Yeah, I would just say. But no, I mean, it, it was a, like the the Carpenter movie-going moment that we could have, right? Right. Because we was, weren't really... Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting that. That's like, you know, we had such respect for this guy, and then he finally put one out after the first time in quite some time, and yeah. And it wasn't the first time we disagreed with all the critics, but it was a time <laughs> where we disagreed with all the critics. I don't know how right we were. But we under the same move moon, different parts of the valley where we live. We both like the ward. Okay, Village of the Damned. Again, this is a soft eleven. I I think if I rewatched it, maybe you know I'm glad to hear you like it yeah. more than yeah. I think it's underrated. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I'm embarrassed to say it's here. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> but I think the three worst movies are easily Ghosts of Mars, Vampires, and Christine. I haven't seen Dark Star in the Mouth of Madness. Someone's watching me or Elvis. I would be curious to know your take on In the Mouth of Madness, having knowing that you just watched a bunch of these Carpenter horror movies yourselves and the way you would think that would fit. The trailer is so gonzo that I'm like, yeah. I, I can't do it. Like, I, I almost click play on it a hundred times over the last few days. 
almost so many times and i was like i can't do it <laughs> i have to watch assault on precinct 13 and now i think you have to watch in the mouth of madness oh god <laughs> great so i've given you a good movie and you're giving me yes. a schlock maybe halfway exactly. decent movie well that's i mean carpenter's whole his he to me has been like the cult favorite movie or like the the best version of a b movie that you could have except that some of his b movies have been like all timers like the stuff he made on such a low budget has become like embraced wholly and become has been like a stalwart of the horror yeah. franchise well that's a reason to watch that probably because there's such a big cult following right. for in the mouth of madness I, I did read about that and i was tempted I really was tempted to click on it. So points for ambition from you in the mouth of madness. I was a fun section. We do still have one more. You're getting your money's worth today, folks. <laughs> we are going to do horror movies about cults. This is a subgenre. This is not cult films. This is movies about cults, about organizations that you have to join and give away all your wealth and possessions to commit fully. You have to be pot committed yes. in a, if you join a cult and, Things go down, like shit goes down in these movies. But I, I picked this subgenre this year for us because the Empty Man, One BR, Wrong Turn, three awesome movies about cults in mm -hmm. this particular year. Again, when we saw them, <laughs> they might all be 2019, <laughs> 2020 films, but we saw them this year. <laughs> all right. The obvious first question for horror movies about cults is the Confused Boner Award for scariest, <laughs> scariest, creepiest nudity, Michael. Okay. We have, we have mating rituals in Midsommar. We have dancing in the new Suspiria. We have that naked song for some weird, glorious reason in The Wicker Man. Old one. Nicolas Cage doesn't sing right. in the new one. We have just standing there nude and creepy and Mandy. Just letting it all hang out. We have sex at the gates of hell in the ninth gate. Yeah impressionable right <laughs> don't know what to think about those uh we have a naked serial serial killer in an owl mask in under the silver lake okay yeah uh we have paint and devil sex porn in rosemary's baby a little surprised at that rewatched uh last uh two nights ago this is actually happening <laughs> and then we have hereditary. You know what? I, I disqualify my hereditary uh, nomination here. That was just hot. So let's go back. <laughs> no, just pure sex appeal. <laughs> What's happening to me? <laughs> the uh, if you were able to get any kind of erection or stimulation out of the mating ritual in Midsummer, or hereditary for that matter, uh, go see someone. Go see someone. I'm not kink shaming, but go see someone. <laughs> I'm going to hang up and go see someone then. <laughs> Whoops. The ninth gate for me. I, I, Suspiria is a close second because you can see the seduction, but the ninth gate, when you're uh, mid-coitus and you see the gates of hell literally opening, you know, there's probably reason for concern. Well, my answer is very clear at this point, but the ninth gate is also a good answer. Good. All right, Michael, no spoiler, but mm -hmm. we'll talk about uh, the cult you'd least likely escape from if they had it out for you, and I'll just tell people, sometimes you live, sometimes you don't. I'm sure. Sometimes you feel like, like a nut. nut. Uh, sometimes you're not right. Yeah. I, I didn't know who was going to win that you know, land speed race to a dad joke there. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible thing that we continually do on this podcast. But okay. Cult you'd least likely escape from. Midsommar. Skull. Mm -hmm. Right. The Empty Man. They are formidable. Sure. Suspiria, I feel like they're the most powerful, but that could be debatable here because the next answer is hereditary 
and Ann Dowd is involved. Naturally. Wrong turn. Look. And one BR. All it takes is the worst real estate agent on the planet and one BR. <laughs> can't you just call. can't you just break your lease? <laughs> Like, can't you just move? You would think. You would think <laughs> you could just move, but it, you can't just apply the Jordan Peele principle in one BR. I would say. <laughs> uh, I think my answer would be either wrong turn or the empty man. Suspiria again is interesting, but you don't just come across the people in Suspiria for them to have That's it true. out for you. You know, like you can't wrong turn. You can't. I think wrong turn might be my answer. That's interesting because. I don't think either of us are going hiking in the Appalachian Mountains. I almost think we would have disqualified <laughs> our, our, ourselves from that. It's a good point. I feel like Ann Dowd could be my, you know, cousin or something. Right, right. And Ann Dowd in general, I feel like, is going to be responsible for my death someday. But so. look, at, if you ran into Ann Dowd at a supermarket, you would, and she's got that hypnotic thing. I know. Yeah, impending doom is, uh, I'm probably going to get like squished to death by the automatic doors trying to leave or something you know yeah that's that's a this is a tough answer wrong turn we're very dead (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah that's a good answer i don't know who i pick this is all i mean this is the moral of this entire episode by the way you know for one br and a couple of these like we're not moving to the appalachian mountains Mm -hmm. but for a couple of these are from california like i am in no rush to move to California. We have wildfires, we have cults, and we have Laker fans. No thank you. The last one is most terrifying of all to me. We have so many fans and listeners from California, but I just happily chided you. All right. Which cult would be most fun to join? This is an objective question, by the way. Most fun cult to join. Okay. Eyes wide shut, tuxedos, capes, masks, orgies. Eyes wide shut. That's that sells itself, really. (laughs) Ready or not, be rich. Maybe have to hunt a new family member after her wedding. In the if the evil god behind your fortune, why you're rich, tells you to do so once every generation. Like, who am I in Ready or Not? Am I (laughs) blood related or am I related through marriage? Oh, that's a good point. Um, you're related through marriage feel like that one disqualifies itself (laughs) (laughs) cabin in the woods just because it would be pretty fun to dance with richard jenkins and bradley whitford not your typical cult they seem more like a corporation but they are running a cult fun bosses everybody's got their role to play there finally m night Shyamalan's the village because if you want to enjoy a more classical lifestyle that (laughs) that's a fun one i would say i mean eyes wide shut you're, I mean, you're just going to parties and having sex with everyone. That, yeah, that... no, that's the answer. That's yeah. the correct answer. I agree with you. I agree with you on the last. Good. Wrong turn, <laughs> eyes wide shut. Okay. Which movie about cults showed the best looking food? The most delicious <laughs> looking food. I'm glad you got food. this in. Good. In Rosemary's Baby, Michael, the lamb and sweet potatoes to yeah. start things off. Mm-hmm. And then the dessert game in Rosemary's Baby, the first 30 minutes, you get the strawberry cheesecake, and then you get the chocolate mouse, chocolate mouse. <laughs> Honey, would you like some chocolate mouse? But it looked delicious. It was in this f- huge coffee cup, chocolate mousse. I feel like you just included this whole section so you can gush about the food in Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Loved it. I mean, later on, you know, after the thing with the with the guy, 
or the whomever, the food, the food looks like shit. That's that's purposeful. I, I really like that movie. Uh, Hereditary. That chicken dinner that Gabriel Byrne, husband of the year, made just looked delectable. Mm. I mean, and then and even and the, the cake. The, yep. Look at the gross chocolate cake that Devil Girl was eating by the fist. <laughs> Also, delicious. Again, I think that's her character name on IMDb, Devil Girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about that imaginary feast in Neverland with Robin Williams, Rufio, and the Lost Boys in 1991's Hook? How the fuck did that movie get in here? <laughs> what? It's it's a there's a I mean they're all in this group. The Lost Boys to, are a cult. <laughs> you have to you know I think it's blood cult related. I mean you have to kill constantly, sacrifice all these pirates, all these. Adults, unbeknownst so, to them. So you just wanted to talk about the food and hook is what I'm gathering. It looked delicious. Once, <laughs> I mean, as imaginary feasts go, let's be honest. All right, how about the spread in Midsommar? I mean, the problem with that, though, is they messed with it. Yeah, and it didn't look that good to me. It, it seemed like the least appealing, like even the juice or the, the liquid they were drinking was like, ugh. All right. All it right. like beaten eggs to me. To each their own. I just thought the spread was something. Maybe if it was best spread, you know, from a distance. All the flowers, all the tables. The accoutrement looked good. It was there like go. a, good, a good layout. But yeah, I was disappointed by the food. Very good. Again with the lamb dinners, but Kill List sported a just delicious looking lamb dinner. And I'm not a big fan of lamb or nothing, but that was, that was mwah. Um, finally, Mike raw, I mean, have a little raw meat at orientation, sure. take a, take a bite of a college kid later in the semester, mm-hmm. and then you're changing your whole diet by Christmas. They do say it's a lifestyle change, so it's not <laughs> Rosemary's baby. I, I do remember vividly the food in Rosemary's baby and it did look delicious. That's the correct answer. All right. Uh, we're obviously not the target, target audience for this next question, but uh, hopefully our audience is playing along. <laughs> Would you have the devil's baby if? <laughs> would you have the devil's baby if in Rosemary's Baby, the neighbors would always be obliged to babysit? It's a perk. It's a perk. Yeah. Would you have the devil's baby if in House of the Devil, you get to dance to one thing leads to another by the fix in a whole <laughs> scene with the whole song? I'm not sure that's enough of a perk to, like, you get to dance to one song if you bring the son of Satan into the world. <laughs> It's a great scene that I wanted to mention, so I <laughs> okay, put it in here. Good. How about, would you have the devil's baby if, in the end of days, the alternative is having to live under the protection of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jericho Kane, who always has the action movie hero comeback quip to everything you say. For instance, when a cardinal who's threatened by Arnold Schwarzenegger with a gun at his face, says, we're not afraid to die for our cause. And then Arnold replies, good, because I'm not afraid to kill you. Man. <laughs> that was a good impression. You got to live with that. Uh, you might want to have the devil's baby in that instance. Anyway, <laughs> Prince of Darkness. Now, I don't know if this is the devil's baby per se, but this is a strange pregnancy scene. Like, you get telekinetic powers, mm-hmm. and you get the ability to reach through mirrors into hell. Right. Albeit, you probably need to see a dermatologist or several. <laughs> well, the dermatologists, and, and if you're bringing the devil's baby into the world, I'm not sure you're caring about clear skin at that point anyway, but that at least, <laughs> telekinetic powers is at least, you know... I think it heavily outweighs the ability to dance to a song in yeah. exchange for bringing Satan's kid in. 
All right. All right. Final answer or final nomination. How about if she grew up only to eat chocolate and then often clucked her teeth like <laughs> this? <laughs> oh, no, I have one more answer. Mm-hmm. No, the end of Satanic Panic is is another possibility here. The end of Satanic Panic, Panic was a lot of fun. Uh, would you have the devil's baby if the oh, end I of Satanic yeah, Panic? But- Haley doesn't really get any perks at all for that movie. She's just kind of forced into having the devil's baby there. She gets, well, I mean, let's just say she gets a new pet. Right. <laughs> and then she gets to, you know, she gets to go somewhere fun. She has a fun party. Theoretically. <laughs> I, I would say Prince of Darkness pretty, uh, I'm not sure any of those other ones would do it for me. Prince of Darkness, I could at least talk myself into some kind of a bright line. Rosemary's Baby is my answer because I'm still hooked on the food from that right. movie. You get the, early get, on. The, get the good food and you're pretty much responsibility free because you can always stick the kids. That's not a bad answer. Okay. Stick the kids <laughs> and the neighbors. All right. How about this? If you were killed by this cult, you'd be most embarrassed. Mm. All right. So cult that it would be most humiliating to get killed by. Okay. Frank Langella and the Ninth Gate people. Like, you got to be a very nosy Johnny Depp to get in trouble here. It's like, it's your fault if you get killed. I mean, that's not yep. a spoiler. That's not I a spoiler. Disagree. He could, yeah. he could, or he couldn't. You could just mind your own business and go on with your life. Yeah. How about Children of the Corn? Like, half those kids are six. Yeah. I feel like, like that's like, if you get killed by the Children of the Corn, that's basically like you getting killed by Chucky. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on, kids. Let's go. You can even have knives. I won't have them. All right. Under the Silver Lake, I, I probably shouldn't even included this, but I just wanted to mention the movie again. The Owl's Kiss serial murderer is terrifying. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like getting killed by a Bill Hader character in a Comedy Central roast. Remember Mr. Hollywood? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you better play ball, you squinty-eyed fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, finally, I, I got two James more. Franco, I believe, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Raw, I mean, if you get killed... And you get eaten by a bunch of French college kids. You deserve to die. Fair. It's a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of, I mean, I feel like you know a cannibal when you're around one long enough. I, I think so, too. Not they're just going to look at you. Yeah, yeah, they're going to look at you differently. Right. Like, why are you drooling all the time every time you see my arm? Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question here. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. You pretty much got to follow a man in black to an underground lair and then go exploring through all the hallways, just randomly opening doors. You have to bring the, you know, the instrument that he's going to kill you, kill you with. Right. Didn't he, didn't, didn't you have she... to go out of your way to get in trouble with the cult of thorn? Yeah. You got to be a nosy, nosy Parker. Yeah. yeah. Or at least be at the very wrong place. You have to be in one house at the wrong time. Yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> But at least they have the capability of doing it. This is this is asking the age-old question. How many six-year-olds do you think you can take, or eight-year-olds do you think you can take in a fight if they were to keep doubling coming at you every time? Like if one came at you and then if you defeated one, two would come at you. And then if you defeated two, four would come at you. Like yeah. how many waves of eight-year-olds, eight to ten-year-olds do you think you'd be able to, to take on? This is a inescapable question if you got right. nephews or if you have younger brothers like mm-hmm. I had my whole life. And yeah. Yeah, no, you you seriously think about these questions. Right. I think I could take one, I could take two, I could take four. Eight would give me tough. If 16 came at me, I think I'm dead. 
I know I could take four because I have four younger brothers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could take, you know, again, in my prime, maybe I could take eight because mm-hmm. I have four cousins. You would have to kick, like, you'd have to take the first one that came at you and use him as a weapon, I think. That's right. Human eight. shield. You need yeah. a human shield, especially yeah. if they got knives. Right. Well, if they I'm have knives, s- yeah, that's, that's a different yeah. story. But I'm going to say, like, I mean, look, Raw, if, uh, if French college kids, you're, you're going down. You think it'd be embarrassed to be eaten to death by French guys? I would be, I would be most <laughs> More embarrassed. More so than a get... bunch of eight to ten-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, because at least they got scythes and right. knives, and they come at you from other directions. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's do an acting category here before some best film categories. Most charismatic cult leader character. We have Christopher Lee as Lord Summer Isle in The Wicker Man, the mm-hmm. OG. We have fat witch goo lady costumed Tilda Swinton as Helena Marcos in Suspiria. Again, we have great character. Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca Romaine Stamos in Satanic Panic. She was great. She is, and she's also rude. She's very rude, yeah. which is very charismatic for a cult leader, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, we have Rebecca Ferguson as uh, Rose the Hat in Doctor Sleep. And then finally, we have Philip Seymour Hoffman as Schmel Ron Schmubbard <laughs> in The Master. Hollywood's got to come up, be more creative with these character names, I think. Yeah, with uh, these stories, these based on true stories. Yeah. You got to hide things better. I, I wish I could say I wouldn't be uh, easily seduced and tricked by Rebecca Romaine's Romaine, but I, I would be. I know myself. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's my answer. That's who I would end up following. Although that's Rebecca cool. Ferguson would, would, could fall into that category, too. Yeah, that's a cool answer. I was going to go with one of the Rebecca's and Rebecca Ferguson to me, most charisma. And even though Christopher Lee is overdoing it, mm-hmm. I still have to go with Rebecca Ferguson because <laughs> of the hat. She's just so cool in that yeah. one. Yeah, well, great. And yeah, PSH, God bless you, but nope. <laughs> Not following you. All right, finally, let's bring this home with a bunch of best film sections. Again, the winners advance to the final section, I would say. Okay. Michael, we have. Best film about a cult survivor that may or may not be getting sucked back into said cult. We have oh. The Lodge. Martha Marcy May Marlene, the movie's about that. We have The Perfection. You know, you're in this band and then, you know, the band geeks like we all were at one point, right? right? You too, correct? Ah, uh, yep. Were you a chorus kid? No, I did the saxophone, fifth and sixth grade. Go. Yeah, band camp. The Perfection. Dr. Sleep, I don't know if this counts for um, Mr. Torrance. I don't know if this counts for Danny Torrance because that's kind of, that's not really a cult, but he gets sucked back into a whole situation that involves a cult. He I definitely gets sucked back into a situation in that movie. I would agree with that assessment. But nobody can argue with my next nominee here. Robin Williams is Peter Pan and <laughs> Hook. That clearly counts. He's Peter Pan. He goes to Great Britain in the 1980s, comes back, and then he, they want him to be Peter Pan again. I, you have to be the only person on Earth who classifies Hook as a cult movie. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just a cult movie. It's deserving of nominations in a, horror, in a fake horror movie award show about movies about cults. Um, the perfection... I think they're in, I mean, that's might be giving something away, but I don't know that, that they necessarily ever leave. I don't know either. I don't remember. I thought she left and then came back. I feel like the perfection, the uh, the mindset of the 
protagonists in The Perfection have a similar mindset to the protagonists in Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those would be my answer because they're very similar to me. I like The Lodge more than you. I don't know if Dr. Sleep is uh, eligible here. It's a rough uh, beat by the Academy of One here. Mm-hmm. But my correct answer and you should have went with it and you should have gone with it. Is Robin Williams as Peter Pan and Hook. So I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm very confused. Best film about an amateur slash retired detective investigator character discovering what turns out to be a cult. <laughs> the Empty Man. Mm-hmm. Under the Silver Lake. I would say the Wicker Man original. Just going out on a limb. The Wicker Man original, mm. not not the remake. Uh, the Ninth Gate, quite the investigation there. You know, you got to go over the river and through the woods right. to get to the cult in that one. <laughs> and then Kill List, my God. I have to watch Whoopsie. Kill List now. You've, you've hyped it up a lot. It's fucked up. That, was, that movie, I could not sleep for like an hour. And it's not exactly an investigator. So you were just falling asleep. <laughs> no, but I was sitting awake for like an extra hour until like two or three in the morning. Getting yeah, but this usually when people voice. say that, they're not like, you know, oh, I couldn't fall asleep for like all night or a day. <laughs> I couldn't right. sleep for a whole hour. I had to eat something. <laughs> to right. So you were hungry <laughs> and then you went to bed. Num num. Then <laughs> night night. With the baseball bat. Um... <laughs> um the the wicker man the remake though not the original <laughs> yeah that's uh the wrong answer uh no the original wicker man is probably the right answer i would agree the with goddamn that. bees <laughs> all right so the wicker the original wicker man moves on best film about fighting or escaping from a cult all best right. film period okay we're fighting a cult in one br mm-hmm. and i said or escaping so right. i'm not telling you if they escape or not Wrong turn. We're fighting a cult. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Sleep. Jesus, we're fighting a cult. <laughs> Ready or not, guess what? You're fighting a cult. <laughs> Mandy, you got a big sword to fight this cult. House of the Devil. Surprise, cult fighting. <laughs> the invitation. You think it's a dinner party. Mm-hmm. You're fighting a cult. <laughs> Cabin in the woods. You just thought you were going with some friends, hang out in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> Got to take an elevator to fight a cult. <laughs> yeah. The ritual, just hiking again. You know, hiking, you probably yeah, should realize. don't go hiking. That's the theme here. Kill list. You think you're just hunting a certain list of people that you got to assassinate because you're assassins in this movie. <laughs> Unbelievable. Nope. You're fighting a cult. <laughs> Finally, the babysitter. You're just getting babysat. <laughs> you're just a child. You're a child, and then you're fighting a cult. I'm sensing a theme in all of these. I Best really, really want to pick the babysitter just to infuriate you at this late stage in this incredibly long podcast. But I will say, Dr. Sleep, criminally underrated. That's criminally true. underrated, the degree of difficulty attached to that movie. Yeah, it's it's between... Dr. Sleep, Kill List, and Ready or Not for me. And I mm-hmm. think I do agree with you again. It's Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Mike Flanagan. All right. Uh, highest rated movie. Cabinet, you know, a Cabin in the Woods is highly rated. Again, it's questionable. It's like the Hamilton of the category. Like, I'm being the Golden Globes right now. Am I, am I going to pick Hamilton? I don't think it should be there. 
<laughs> you should have included actually Hamilton in this Hamilton. list. Hamilton, yeah, Hamilton. <laughs> All right, uh, so Dr. Sleep go, moves on and The mm-hmm. Wicker Man moves on. Funniest film about a cult. Cabin in the Woods could be the pick here. Yeah. The the Babysitter's pretty funny. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I see what you did there. I like that. Satanic Panic, pretty mm-hmm. funny. Cult of Chucky. <laughs> it's not really a cult of Chucky, but it's funny, funny movie. That might have been one of the funnier Child's Play films. Just get to the last movie. <laughs> and Hook, nominated for five Academy Awards. What are you doing? Why are hilarious. you doing this? It's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, it's that- not about a cult. Uh, I've proven it's about a cult. <laughs> I mean, this is why I like cult movies so much growing up, because I loved a great cult movie brought to me by the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> I don't even know if it's a Disney film, is it? I don't think film? it is. I don't think it is either. I think it's a Spielberg film, right? So uh, it's a, uh, whatchamacallit? I have to look it up. Cabin in the Woods is my answer for this. I'll look up what Hook is. Cabin in the Woods is the correct answer. Again, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the answer for everything, but we disqualify it, I would uh, say. Yeah, it's uh, Spielberg, Amblin Entertainment, but it is TriStar, and Kathleen Kennedy was attached. Okay. Okay. Peep, they know how to make a movie. Yeah. All right, scariest film about a cult. Scariest film about a cult, Michael. Paranormal, Activity 3. Underrated movie. Hereditary, Midsommar. Great movie. Great movie. The Lodge. Very good movie. I'm, I'm not as high as it, as you are, but yeah, very good movie. House of the Devil's scary. Ty One West. of the gnarliest kill scenes, too, in any horror movie. Dr. Sleep is scary. Yeah. And then the correct answer to this question might or might not be Martyrs, but I'm too afraid <laughs> to watch it. So maybe Which that's is the answer. also a, a correct uh, summation of that movie overall. I'm I too agree. afraid to watch it. Yeah. I will not watch it. I read the content summary I, advisory. So if you've been waiting for Martyrs answers in this episode, not going to do it. <laughs> Can't do it. Terrified. Same goes for a Serbian film, if we ever talk about that. That's um, true. <laughs> right. I, look, if I'm being serious, it's hereditary. Scary. Yeah, uh, hereditary was terrifying. Slightly scarier than Midsommar, or, right. or a lot scarier than Midsommar. Totally different types of scares for me. Mm-hmm. So probably slightly, but both are a a horror movies. I mean, they're just they're great for the genre. All right, I'll keep it easier for us because we got a lot of core categories to keep track of here. But Hereditary moves on. All right, best non horror film about cults that's not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. We got Harvey Keitel and Kate Winslet in a in a cult in the nineties. Holy smoke, a lot of cigars. I can't rewatch that because I quit cigars. I don't want to get tempted. <laughs> Eyes wide shut, not really a horror movie, maybe. Definitely about a cult. about a cult though. The Master, definitely about a cult. Definitely about a cult. Faults. Pretty good movie with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead about a cult. Have to see that. I've not seen that. Yeah, I think she's in it. Anyway, now I'm getting confused. Sound of My Voice, another pretty solid movie about a cult. Not exactly a horror film, but definitely about a cult. Uh, And then Under the Silver Lake, eh, maybe some horror elements. Again, scary serial murderer in that movie. Or sexy. I don't don't know. I'm confused. Under the Silver Lake. (laughs) You could say sexy or I'm confused about a lot of these entries. Eyewise Shut, (laughs) The Master. (laughs) Um... Eyes Wide Shut may have had the most effective marketing tool on me over the mm. years because I still remember that single piano note commercial where it was a ding, wow, ding, ding. yeah, um, that stuck with me. Probably has a lot to do with explaining why I am the way I am today. But uh, I'll say the master, the master. Interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Eyes Wide Shut, but 
but The Master is a is a great non horror film about a cult. I would agree. Eyes Wide Shut had an impact on me, more of an impact. The Master, I could study it, but I don't want to. Eyes Wide Shut also had an impact on the marriage of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. So you're in good company. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that from somewhere. <laughs> All right, what is the classic film about cults? We've already moved The Wicker Man up from 1973, mm-hmm. but we have Rosemary's Baby from 1968. Hard to beat. <laughs> I would not watch The Devils. I know it has an X rating. I have to, to crit- watch it. I just have to. Gratuitous Sex and Violence, 1971. Another movie I was afraid to watch. Suspiria, 1977. Dario Argento, we reviewed it on this podcast. Sure. Children of the Corn, 1984. I rewatched it. I liked it a lot. I'm surprised to like it a lot, but Stephen King adaptation there. And then 1991's Hook, about a cult full of children who fight pirates. Bad things to happen to you right now. Hook (laughs) is rated PG for crowing, burping, and bad baseball. (laughs) I did not read this part of the doc, and I shouldn't have because we're way too long this year with the scaries. Mm -hmm. But I was not prepared for the, uh, the running gag that you had all throughout this. I always have one, right? But Rosemary's Baby is the answer here? Yes, or is it is... the Wicker Man still for you? No, okay. I was going to say Rosemary's Baby would be, would be. I mean, that's the standard bearer, despite the fact that Roman Polanski is attached to it. Um, that's the cult movie, I feel like. All right. So final category before the big kahuna. Mm-hmm. We have most underrated film about cults, because there's a lot of good indie movies about cults or underrated films about cults. We have like a 40%er in the Ninth Gate that I think we both like. Mm-hmm. We have Kill List that I just discovered. I have uh, to watch that, yeah. I have not ben seen Wheatley, got to see that one. House of the Devil, scary, underrated, Ty West. The Lodge, Starry Eyes, which we haven't mentioned yet, but mm-hmm. I remember being disturbing. The Invitation on Netflix. Remember when everybody discovered The Invitation on Netflix, Mike? So good, too. Yeah, really good. I don't even know that you can classify it as underrated anymore because so many people are turned on that's, to it. That's the thing, because yeah. Netflix is so big. 1BR. We mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, why we're doing this. Uh, the Empty Man. Same reason. Again, it might be coming properly rated, though, finally. Right. Mandy. Uh, not necessarily my forte or my, my cup of tea, I would say, but pretty good. The Endless. This is really cool as a cult movie. Just a little indie gem I can recommend. Mm-hmm. Paranormal Activity 3, which you I think you rewatched for this. Yeah, I did rewatch like. that uh, yesterday. It, was, it, it, it holds up pretty well. It's pretty... I mean, compared to the first two... I. I don't know I if remember it's as good as one, it. but it's very good. Yeah, I remember liking it. Uh, we have Raw, which is very good. Julia Ducournau. And uh, it's it, you know, she made Tatan this year, so she's in, in our conversations. Sure. I remember you mentioning, however many times, you have seen Red State. I love that movie. You love that movie. Okay. So I concluded it. I'm too afraid to watch it. I haven't seen it. And then Satanic Panic, who, you know, we had. Uh, Haley you Griffin, had one yeah. Of your, yeah, you had Haley on the show. Another another movie I love and I watch uh, yearly ever since I was introduced to it. I don't know why Hook's not here. Uh, it's not underrated. It's properly rated. Oh, it's one I of see. the best movies of all time. I see. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that enough people have seen House of the Devil. Yeah, it's I, underrated. I, yeah, I feel like, and that should be, uh, Satanic Panic is kind of in the same vein, but I feel like, you know, if, you, uh, if you're talking about all-time cult movies or all-time, you know, freaky movies and stuff that's that's very good that maybe you haven't seen that's out there and it's been out for a little bit you're not going to be disappointed if you watch house of the devil it'll creep you out i can agree with that i'm going to throw ben wheatley a bone 
because I feel bad about ha- yeah. I have to watch that. Getting after him, and it's fucked up. My kill list <laughs> is fucked up. I, that that shook me to the bone. I had to eat something. I don't know if I told you this. Kill list. Kill list will be mine. All right. So kill list disrupted advances. my sleep for a whole fifteen minutes. Yeah, Kill List, House of the Devil Advance. Let's go back in time here. We have Rosemary, Adva- Rosemary's Baby advancing. Eyes Wide Shut and the Master ad- advancing. We have Hereditary advancing. Midsommar got snubbed in the final category yeah. here. We have Cabin in the Woods advancing. And then we have... What, we're fighting a cult. I got a couple more categories. My God. We're fighting a cult. <laughs> Dr. Sleep advanced. Dr. Sleep advanced. Hook advanced. Obviously, I think Just you advanced out of the, respect. You advanced the perfection out of that category. I don't remember. Or Martha May Marcy. Yeah, Marlon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's that. So those are our nominees for the best cult movie ever. Oh, The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man was the first one. Okay. So we're picking the best cult movie of all time. Best movie about cults. Yes. To me, mm-hmm. it should be either Rosemary's Baby. Or hereditary. Ooh. Um, and because I don't want to give Roman Polanski any kind of award, I'm going to say hereditary. I'm curious wow. to hear your answer. The Wicker Man messed me up really bad. Really? Kill, Kill List messed me up. So those are the two that messed me up the most. Hereditary was really good. I think for our podcast, that's the best cult movie mm-hmm. we've ever reviewed on our podcast. I would agree with you there. I think I got to go with the OG though and say the Wicker Man. It's just disgusting, but it's would really not good. have expected that. Yeah. Okay. That cool. one shook me to the bone. What was so creepy about it to you? Uh, the bees. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> no, I think no because like the, the boners are very confusing, and the no, I mean, there's a lot. Christopher Lee is scary. You want to like him? <laughs> the confusing. I thought boners. they were. I thought they were just on a parade. It was going to be fun. The birds, the bees. and the No, you know why birds. I love it? Because it's such a great mystery. It is. It, and it's definitely a unique twist, especially for the early 70s. I thought it was a whodunit mystery. Yep. And yeah, you, 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 it is. It Either is. Way, but yeah. it's, also, yeah. <laughs> it's also something more. <laughs> uh, phenomenal job, sir. By you. And once again, putting together this insane... And all over <laughs> award show with these unique categories. And I like the way you had us build our own uh, best of at the end there and lead up to it. I mean, there had to be like 40 or 50 categories here throughout this episode. It it ballooned, especially when John Carpenter appreciation got involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great job by you, Mike. Uh, as you always do, your creativity Thank is top notch here, sir. Uh, really, really enjoyed this. We hope you too, dear listener, enjoyed this. Uh, we will not apologize for the length of this episode. It's one of our favorite <laughs> episodes to do every year. You guys seem to like it every year as well. So we wanted to give you a lot to chew on and kind of celebrate the last week of horror season here of this October before we go full gear and full bore into Oscar season. But that'll come after our next episode as we have one more stop along the horror trail here for Halloween week. Uh, what always, what matters as always the most to us, dear listeners, though is your thoughts do you have any other different categories for us to you give you answers to do you have any different answers you want for any of these categories do you think we are wildly off or wildly correct let us know all that as well as any other comments questions or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the mmo empire you can leave us all of those on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram all one word at 
MM and Oscar on Twitter, uh, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple podcast app, if you would be so kind, if you appreciate what we do to leave us a five-star review, it would take you one click and make our entire day. Michael, I already teased it a little, but tell the good people what's coming next. And let's get some words of wisdom to end this epic episode on. Yeah, we're going to do one more horror movie episode, maybe two, but certainly uh, a double feature next episode with a swell guest <laughs> that uh, she, you know, talked her way on. She, she had to do it with us. So we're, she, we're, like we're a thrilled. demon that won't leave a horror movie, is back. <laughs> She's back uh, for Lamb and Antlers. We want to talk about two weird movies, and I love horror movie double features, so let's do a horror double movie feature episode. We'll have a non-spoiler section We'll have a spoiler section for one movie, then a spoiler section for another. So don't worry if you haven't seen them both. We'll do them one at a time there, Michael. But uh, I think it's wise to shamelessly plug all our horror content because we have so much of it. We have the MMO Does Halloween franchise rewatch. We have the Conjuring Universe series that we did. We have so many horror movies, cult horror movies, and horror movies about cults where we've just like spun off and had to do a double feature on. We are obsessed with this genre, both of us in our own right, you in a very sick way, me in a very hungry... <laughs> no, we, we both love no, this genre. No, that's Yeah, me, it just makes me to just nervously eat a lot of things. <laughs> but we, we have so we have a big horror movie playlist. Just click on our playlist uh, tab on SoundCloud. Scroll down, you'll find a bunch of horror movie playlists. We've, we've loved the Jordan Peele movies in the past. We've done two-part episodes for those. We've done preview, review episodes for Halloween Kills of late. That's our latest in this, uh, you know, whole whole uh library of horror movie episodes from us and the scream rewatch is going to be next so that will be something we do sooner than later i think i don't know we haven't made plans on it we have nailed those down quite yet but the scream rewatch is happening four episodes leading to a fifth that will drop during award season i completely forgot about that but yes that's yeah. on the horizon for us it's coming uh, something that we will be doing and participating in. And uh, I, I cannot wait as well. And once again, Mike, awesome job by you. Uh, make sure you give also Mike his proper due for putting together this scary as he does every year. Uh, guys, so much fun. When reality sucks, you can come be ridiculous and horror-filled with us. We are Mike, <laughs> Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.